0: You are listening to From Brighty to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 168. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Brighty to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. And today we will discuss empathy. Why is empathy the subject of today? I feel like sharing a story. So we currently are moving um, my girlfriend's belongings from Southern California to Huntsville, Alabama, where you all know I have recently relocated. And in this process, we were told between 8 and 21 days was the estimate for when the belongings would arrive. And they told us all the stuff was in a truck and moving across the country on June 1st. Today is the 21st. That would be the 20-day, 20 21-day, depending on how you like to count days, uh, anniversary of when our stuff apparently started to motivate itself across the country. Now, they did tell us that it was only business days and yada, yada, yada. So to Wednesday, the 22nd at midnight is when the company will officially break contract. And <clears throat> clearly we don't have our stuff right now or I wouldn't be sharing this story. And so we're... I have noticed, and up until yesterday, my girlfriend had been the only one making these phone calls. And finally, I was like, "Let me seize the. Let me call. Let me see if I can help with this." And supposedly, the mover, the the truck driver, is literally in the process of making his way to Nashville to bring us our stuff later today. I will believe that when I see it. The issue that I'm having is the way that girlfriend has been treated um, by the moving company nationwide, and then the other ones called like Mover Van Lines or something like that. And the customer service reps are less than hospitable. They're less than compassionate and they have zero, zero empathy. I have heard no empathy out of these people coming from her whatsoever. Uh, minimal at best, there's been even a compliance with showing a level of empathy. And they might be nice, but they're still like, well, you know how moving trucks go and there's traffic and there's weather. And I'm like, you could have pushed this truck across the country faster than you're currently driving it. And what's really got my goat is that. And maybe it's, they're trained not to be empathetic. They're, they're afraid they'll get sued if they show, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this is happening to you. I'm so, I'm so sorry we've done this to you. Maybe they're afraid if they use any of those kind of words, those kind of language patterns, they'll get sued because they noticeably did something wrong. I don't know the motivation, but I'll certainly say that they could just act human for a moment and say, you know, I totally understand what you're going through. I would find it to be incredibly discombobulating if I too have been living in a house with nothing more than a bed and a TV and two chairs for the last month. And we just got the bed and the TV like a week and a half ago. So for the first 10 days, it was air mattress till we got some of the things that we knew we needed to purchase for the new house here and delivered. And thankfully, the internet showed up day one, or I don't know, we've been pulling our hair out because, hey, we are we are definitely children of the new generation. We are, there's a lot of things we can tolerate, but no internet, hell no. And so again, first world problems, we get it. We have a lot to be grateful for and thankful for. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that we don't have those things. But what I'm seeking from these movers is empathy, to understand that there's a lot of certainty that we seek that's in the boxes that they currently possess. There's a ton of uncertainty right now with will everything show up? Will it be broken? Will will it be, will we get all of our boxes back? A lot of uncertainty that happens when you move to a new city. Got to make new friends and get new habits and just figure new things out in general. Right. There's a love and connection that I moved us here for, to be nearer to family, to have a community that actually waves when they drive by you and and you know, and is friendly at stores, right? And it's really difficult to have connection and love and create those kind of emotional states when there's this stressor of we're going home to a pretty damn empty house. Right? It's hard to Um, build up um, significance in a new community or build my business or for her to really feel comfortable working remotely when there's nothing around us that we just would want to have in order to feel like we're at home. There's a reason why humans own so much crap, right? They get comfortable with it. It's things that they want in their day-to-day life. 20 times a day, we turn around we're like, damn it, that's in a box. Nope, that's in a box. That's in a box. That's in a box. And if we went out and replaced all this stuff, we'd end up spending the five grand that we saved by not going with a you know good moving company like Mayflower or United and instead going with Nationwide, who was five grand cheaper. Still, still, still seven grand, guys. It wasn't like it was cheap. That's still a lot of money. That's a lot of money in a world full of inflation. That's a lot of money when a pound of bacon's $10. Seven grand's a lot of money, right? it wasn't exactly easy to set aside and make sure that it was available for this move, but it it was made to happen, and we expected a certain level of professionalism, and we're not getting it. We're not even getting basic empathy. And so as we were going through these phone calls, and and Jen and I have been discussing all of this over the last few weeks, I couldn't help but think this is a perfect, perfect, moment to discuss empathy within the show. Because in our lives, we are going to come up with a lot of opportunities where empathy or or sympathy and compassion will have a place. It could be at a meeting. It could be as somebody's telling a story about their addiction. It could be while you're a peer support specialist. It could be while you're um, just talking to a friend who has nothing to do with the, the sobriety to recovery movement and, and all of that's going on around it. But they have their own emotions that they're seeking supported with in that moment through talking to you. And we're not really aware of what it's like to be a support system for somebody else. We might fall into some unenviable traps that society has sort of let us down as being uh, ways that we can respond. These pre-programmed ideas of... Thinking that when somebody tells you about their plight, being like, oh, don't worry, everything will be all right, your stuff will arrive soon, or oh, man, when my stuff, you know, when we moved across country, everything showed up perfectly and on time, or hey, you know, it could be worse, you could be starving in some third world country right now. All of those things have some merit of truth in them, don't care. Then, what, what, how, how on earth is telling me how smoothly your move went? helping me in this moment while I'm being vulnerable and expressing to you my emotions of the difficulty of this move? How on earth is it helping me right now to say, well, hey, at least you have a house to live in? Yes, you are absolutely correct. I am absolutely thankful for the roof over my head. I am thankful for this amazing view of the forest outside of my office window. I am thankful and grateful for a thousand things. I would also like to be thankful and grateful for all of our stuff being here. And by by trying to point out how I'm not being thankful or grateful, isn't help me in this situation because one, you're doubting my thankfulness and gratefulness for the life that I do have, right? And two, you're just trying to minimize what it is I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling. And if somebody's coming to you to express a problem, and then you try to minimize it by saying, well, hey, it could be worse because blank, or hey, you just slap a smile on your face and just be glad that you're not being eaten alive by aardvarks right now. Thanks. Thanks so much. You're right. I am very happy to not be eaten by, by aardvarks. That's totally going to be make it so much easier today whenever I only have plastic silverware and paper plates to eat on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so very much. And, you know, people, oh, you know, you can just go buy new plates. Yeah, yeah, let's go buy new plates and silverware. That sounds like a great idea. So I can go drop another $150 on all the things that we need in the kitchen, even five bucks. Oh, you can, you can buy some silverware at Goodwill for $5. Thank you. Next. I, I'm coming to for support. I just want you to figure out a way that you can just actively listen, recognize my emotions, accept my interpretations of the situation, you know, restate my problem, and then, you know, ask for permission before you start to just randomly give me advice. There's a lot of ways to step up and show empathy. And we're going to discuss that in today's episode because it clearly has been shown to me that there is not a whole lot of empathy in the customer service world. And that's for whatever reason it is, we're all humans, but you are going to have an opportunity with members of your family, with your friends, in your support network, in your circle of trust, at work, Your Teammates, team members, uh, employees—all of these people, in their own way or another, are you know customer service, their client service, their family service. These are people who are going to bring something to you, and when you can know the difference between sympathy and empathy and compassion, and you can begin to bridge that gap for them, and you can allow them to feel hurt in that moment, man, that is that is that is a bridge that builds strength. That's a br- that's a bridge of trust and honesty, and vulnerability, and love. And that is a way that you build and build and build stronger and stronger bonds with other people. And that's something that we have learned and discussed in this show so many times, that the opposite of addiction is connection. That it's extremely, extremely important that we step into this seat of awareness where we say, what emotional intelligence could I be utilizing right now in order to bond with this person? They're sharing something with me, and I want to make sure that I am being right there with them in this moment. So first, let's make sure that we know the difference between sympathy and empathy. Because sympathy is some is where somebody will try to slap a silver lining on it, say, oh, come on, it's not that bad, right? We'll try to minimize because we don't know how to feel emotions in public. We don't know how to feel emotions with that person. We're afraid that if we show vulnerability, that it might open us up to uh, pain or rejection or regret, whatever that might be. So when you come at it from this seat of higher ground where you think, well, that's what's happening to you, and it could be this, or it could be that, or why don't you just put a smile on your face, you're you're showing a level of sympathy when you're seeing that someone is having a rough time, but you remain um, above it, right? Where you, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about empaths and, and empathy in a moment, so just finish this part. A sympathetic person will um, want to put that silver lining on it. Well, they'll want to minimize it. They'll 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 give you that that brief glimpse of compassion and love, but it's really it's almost manufactured. It's almost like in that moment, I know to say this in order for you to feel this. I know how to do this. I have I I definitely have seen in my life where I will shoot sympathy towards someone rather than asking them questions and and opening up a channel of communication that allows them to be connected. Whenever somebody presents a problem to me, I do most of the talking, and then I close it up, I close the loop, and I walk away. That was me showing sympathy, which can feel good in its own right because at least you have taken that opportunity to show that person some level of emotion. But if what they were looking for was an opportunity to share more and feel deeper in the connection, then in that moment, I chose sympathy when empathy would have been a more desirable pathway for them. So when you're empathetic, right, you can feel with the person. You don't have to feel their emotions like an empath would, where they would take it on physically or emotionally, and we'll get into that in a moment. You don't have to be their emotions, but you can get down in there with them. You can sit down and you can you can make yourself vulnerable. Sincerely seek to connect with them, right? When you can recognize the person's struggle without minimizing it, now you're being empathetic. So, Jesse, how do I become more empathetic? What are some questions I could ask? Well, I'm really glad that you asked me that question. No way do I feel like I just prompted that out of you. Uh, Go back to episode 161. And this is actually the second course in the hub. I talk about the six human needs. And the reason why I think the six human needs are so important is because they actually give you the information you can utilize to build a bridge of empathy. You may not understand what it's like for somebody to wake up in a dumpster in Amsterdam, or in a forest in Belgium, or uh, you know, on a boat in the middle of the water, you know, on a ferry coming back from Indonesia to S- S- Singapore. You may not know what it's like to black out in an airport and be kicked off of an airplane and then kicked out of the airport, and, and you come to on a choo-choo train barreling away from the airport you were supposed to be at. Actually, I was supposed to be on that flight, right? You may not understand what it's like to wake up in the bathtub covered in your own filth or or find yourself on the street begging for for money so you can get your next hit. You may not understand any of that stuff. But when you go back to the six human needs and you ask yourself, where in their life are they not having certainty met or there's variety is not being met or there's too much variety, love and connection isn't being fulfilled. Contribution isn't being fulfilled. Growth isn't being fulfilled. Significance isn't being fulfilled. Where in their life is one of these six human needs not being fulfilled? That is your opportunity to bridge the gap for, toward empathy, because you may not know what it's like to have gone through my struggles and my suffering, but we have gone through similar struggles and suffering. Re- Recovery Dharma talks about you know the Buddha and the Dharma talks about how life has suffering. That is just part of life. Now, how do we interpret it? What kind of internal representations do we create from it? What habits and behaviors do we manifest from the suffering? This is where it becomes very different for every human. But suffering is a part of humanity. There are things that are just going to happen. We are going to have emotional states that we are not familiar with, and we're going to have to seek a way out of them. So when somebody brings to you a moment, an opportunity to be empathetic, to really get down in there with them, Ask yourself, which one of these six human needs? And if you can't figure it out on your own, you can just ask. You know, I'm just really curious. I think I'm hearing that because your stuff isn't here yet, there's just a lot of uncertainty uh, about getting nested and about turning this into a home. And because of the stress that's happening around the move, you're just finding it really hard to connect with one another and just be there uh, and be able to share because there's just so much going on outside of what it is you're You're handling right now. Perfect. In a way, that's perfect. Right? But you can ask that question. Simply be like, What I think I'm hearing is what I think I'm noticing. I'm observing this. And you can just ask a question. Right? They're going to give you enough prompts that let you know which one of the six human needs. And then you can just ask for clarification. And from that clarification, gives you an opportunity to ask more questions. So, what would be more helpful for you right now to relieve some of this uncertainty? for us right now, we just want to know where our stuff is. If they said, look, it's in a storage facility, 17 minutes away from your house, and we're just going to hold on to it for another six days. At least we would have the mindset of not going to get our stuff for six more days. If They did just told us on June 1st, look, there's a good chance you're not going to see this stuff until the, the 20 somewhere. Okay. We might've gone on a holiday and just popped our computers on the internet there and at least been in a really pretty location while we worked because we both work from home but they didn't give us enough information. So all this uncertainty just kept stacking up. So this is your opportunity. Find the six human needs and then be able to ask questions about that. Another way that you might notice empathy, and this is a story about Buddy the dog, Um, Jen's dog. We had to um, say our final goodbyes to last, I believe it was last September. And um, because it was 19 years long, lived a great, happy life, but the doctors everybody all the signs were pointing to it's time for him to ascend and um his life force was strong and we had to we had to nudge him in that direction and as sad as it was to say goodbye to buddy it was we were being empathetic it's like 30 minutes of of happy jumping around playing dog for 23 and a half hours of oh my god i can't believe i'm still in this old body and i can't walk and i and i'm pooping myself all the time and, I, and my back legs don't work and i'm dragging myself around it was it was empathy that allowed us to step into that space where we were, where we opened up our, our minds to say, "Okay, it's time. It's time for him to ascend, and we will, we will nudge him toward the light." And he was more than happy to go toward it once we gave him that nudge. That's empathy. That's understanding that somebody else's emotions are more important than mine. That right there in that moment, what did Buddy need? It was time to give Buddy what he needed but more than it was about holding on to what was. And we were living in a world of what is, so when you think about being empathetic uh in all of these, and I think I've given you plenty of to chew on so far, but I'm going to discuss the three main types of empaths because I did go down a you know a a Google hole on this like I tend to do, and um this somebody named um, Orloff um that's all I copy and paste it out named Orloff discusses how there are three kinds of, empath- of empathetic empathetic of people, three different types of, of how to be empathetic. And through this, we are going to be able to discuss how are you being empathetic? So he labels them as empaths in this moment. And before I dive into the three types of empaths or ways that you can be empathetic, I would like to say this about empaths. I know a lot of people like that to wear that as a badge of honor. And that's great that you can be sincerely empathetic with people, and that you can feel what they're feeling, and you can you can experience what it is that they're feeling. I would just stress to be mindful of taking on so much of their physical pain or their emotional pain that you now go from being the supporter to the to the supported, the supportee, right? You want to be the supporter, not the supportee. And so, if you're going to take on physical or emotional empathy, Make sure that you are getting down there with them and that you're understanding it and you're feeling it and you're talking to them about it, but that you don't take on so much of it that now all of a sudden they feel like they've made you sad. They feel like they've burdened you. Now they're apologizing and they're trying to embrace you and ask you what they can do. I have definitely seen this where people will take on the emotions because they want, they want to be the center of attention. So somebody will bring. I have done this myself. I will bring an issue to to a friend, and within a minute or two, now they have flipped it on themselves. Oh my gosh! you know what? I totally remember that that happened to me, and this and this and this, and I was so sad, and I was so angry. And next thing you know, they're teary eyed and they're quivering and quaking. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Tell me more. I didn't, I didn't know this was going to trigger you. Well, it did, and now I'm blah 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 blah. And I'm like, right? I'm over here desperately asking for support, and now all of a sudden, I'm the one giving the support not as helpful. I don't want to, I'm not a monster. I am absolutely going to step into that situation as best as I can in the moment. But at the same time, I'm going to walk away from that being like, okie dokie, don't go back to that person for support because I'm not going to get it from them. And that sucks. It sucks bad. So physical empathy. When you are attuned to some other person's physical body, to what's happening physically inside of them, right? Now, where you want to be careful is if you are a physical empath, if you take on somebody else's physical empathy, where you actually start to feel their um, pain. It could be a you know a stomach pain, it could be a headache, uh, where you start to feel their body pain, right? If you're doing this, you're getting too immersed in it. You want to be able to stay a little bit higher above it, a little bit more surface on that. I'm not saying don't get vulnerable. I'm not saying don't get down there in the nitty gritty with them, but understand. That if your mind is literally creating their pain in your body, you have now stepped into a, a deep, deep seat, a physical empath. And what you're doing in that moment is not only are you becoming less and less available to support them as they're feeling what they're feeling, but now you are actually causing your body great stress, great, great harm. And it was fine before this person brought it to you. If that continues to happen, you may actually stop the conversations in the future with that person. Because you're like, man, every time they share with me a physical ailment, all of a sudden I feel like I got it too. That's too much. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. And you might miss out on on an amazing opportunity to be a support system in that person's life. Again, if you actually want to be. Understand that. It, just because you walk past a coworker and you say, hey, man, how you doing? And they're like, oh, fucking shitty ass morning. All right, well, slap a fucking smile on your face and let's get to the staff meeting. If that's as, as much communication you want to have with that person, you are more than free and willing and able to behave however you want to around people. But if it's somebody that you actually care about and somebody that you want to be there for, you might still need to get to the staff meeting. You might still have to get to work, but you could say, hey, man, you know what? I'd love to dive into this more. We got to get into this meeting, but I actually am seeing a lot of pain on your face. I can see sadness in you right now. And, you know, would you like to talk after we're done with the meeting? I would love to know more about what's going on and see how I could support you. Yeah man that, that would that would be really great or maybe they're like no you know what let me just figure this out and I'll talk to you about it later either way you've offered help and they've had an opportunity to say yes or no just cuz they say no don't take on rejection right they got their own thing going on they're trying to figure it out right nobody does anything against you they do it for themselves we've talked about that one before nobody does anything against you they're doing it for themselves it might seem like they're taking advantage of you. They might seem like they're scamming you out of your money to take advantage of you and hurt you. But in reality, they just want your money and they don't care how they get it. Right? You might think, well, the thief or the robber or the mugger, they clearly, they did this to me. They were doing it for themselves. You're the person they did it to, but they were doing it for themselves. Emotional empathy. When you um, can pick up on other people's emotions and you actually begin to absorb them, whether it's happy or sad, Right, where you can literally sit beside a depressed person and uh, while watching, a, I, I took this off the internet. You can sit beside a depressed person while watching a comedy and walk out of the movie theater feeling depressed. How the other person's energy field overlapped with yours during the film, right? So it's like you were trying to be happy with somebody else. Right? So I have to be very mindful of this, whether it's with the girlfriend or family members or the people at meetings, like their emotions are their emotions. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be happy. And there's going to be times where I'm stressed out and I'm sad. I don't need them to take on my emotions any more than I'm going to be willing to take on theirs. I can feel. I can ask questions. I can empathize. But I'm not taking on their emotions. Their emotions are theirs. I've got enough of my own to contend with to need to be grappling and bringing on other people's. Now, there's the intuitive empath, and we're not going to get into that one as much because there's all these other ones, telepathic and precognitive and animal and earth empaths and plant empaths, and that's another side of it. Although that one dog whisperer guy that was super popular for a while there on that one show, he would have been considered an animal empath. that He could feel pain and he could feel the suffering of animals. And so I absolutely believe that people have that energy within them. It's just something that I've not really practiced on fine-tuning. But we all know when we've seen a dog that looks sad or that looks stressed out or whose owner doesn't treat him as well, as the dog would like. And we've, we've, we've seen how they'll be scared or skittish around their owner or scared or skittish around kids because they've been hurt by kids and yanked on and, and, and hair pulled and, and hit or kicked in the past. And then, then now all of a sudden they're very skittish. They're very scared. We can feel that in an animal. So we all have a little bit of this intuitive empathy in ourselves already. It's just how much of it are you really allowing yourself to be aware of. So now that we've discussed physical and emotional empathy, and we 've gotten ourselves aware that you can take on somebody else 's physical pain you can take on somebody else 's emotional pain, and if that allows you to get deeper into your empathetic state with somebody, then by all means again i 'm not telling you how to live your life you will do this stuff and do with this stuff however you choose. Just be mindful that if you if you went from support her to support e then you're you didn't do it as well as you probably could have, and that's some some conflictatory language based off what I just said 20 seconds ago. But look, if somebody comes to you seeking support and you hijack the conversation and start seeking support back to put yourself back into the center of this conversation, the center of their universe, then why did they come to you? What is the purpose of that? So let's discuss some ways that you can show empathy and actually... Be empathetic towards somebody without hijacking the conversation. Now, Brene Brown talks about these four, and we've talked about Brene Brown before. She has great books on shame, and we've discussed her in great detail in the past. Brene Brown talks about perspective taking, staying out of judgment, recognizing emotions someone else is feeling, and communicating that you understand the emotion that they're presenting to to you in the moment. So there are these um so we've discussed the three kinds of empaths the physical and emotional empathy that we've discussed we're gonna go now into what I would consider sort of like the more because uh, that was more empath oriented this is gonna be the three different kinds of empathy that you can show outside of just being that empath right we've got physical and emotional empathy when you take that stuff on right and depend in varying levels will allow you to feel varying degrees of of connectedness But when we start to step out and say, okay, well, let's discuss the three specific um, variations of empathy, we have cognitive, emotional, and compassionate. Now, cognitive is when you simply know how the other person feels and what they might be thinking, right? This is when we talk about perspective taking. We've discussed perceptual positions on this show before, connecting their unfulfilled needs to needs that you have had unfulfilled in the past right? So you're first person talking to the other person. If you want to have a better idea of how to take on their perspective, simply step, you know, literally you can visualize this happening where your essence steps out of your body into theirs. What might their perspective be right now? What it is that they might be experiencing? If there was any cognitive empathy by these moving companies, then they would at least be able to take on our perspective and say, look, I totally understand. I have been in this situation before, a lack of certainty around where my belongings are and how long it's going to take me to get them, I can only imagine how stressful this has been for you. I'm going to do my best while we're on this call today to give you as many answers as possible so you can move forward confident in knowing where your stuff is and when you'll receive it. That would just floor us if we heard something like that. We're not expecting a physical or emotional level of empathy from somebody over the phone who does this for a job. right? That's that level of empath that is that, look they're just they're just doing their job. They talk to how many of us a day? But you know when you've had those customer service reps on the phone who are cognitively empathetic, who are able to take on the perspective and say, I absolutely get it. I have been on your end of the phone before and just begging for any end of answers. So I'm gonna do that for you right now. That's taking on the perspective. Right? When you stay out of judgment, which is when we start to get into that emotional empathetic when you when you feel physically along with the person as though their emotions were your emotions, right? This is, we just got cut, done covering this under empath, physical and emotional. This is where that emotional, where you can feel it physically in your being. And you can, again, when we talk about this exuding the emotions that another person is sharing with you, that's that empath in you. And that's where emotional empathy comes from. And so I won't talk too much on that because I just gave it its own like 12 minutes in the show. And then there's compassionate empathy. Well, this is the kind of empathy you understand a person's predic- predicament and you can feel it with them. Right? This goes back to that emotional and physical empath. Now, with compassionate empathy, you might be spontaneously, um, you are compelled to stand up and do something for them right now. Right? You want to help them immediately. You know, you might hear my moving story and might be compelled to uh, grab a paper bag and a bunch of plates and silverware from your drawers and your cupboards and bring them over so I actually have things. right? You might feel compelled to do that. That would be the compassionate, empathetic person in you. So you have this cognitive one where you're using your thinking mind. You take on their perspective. You have the emotional one where you can feel physically or emotionally what it is they're experiencing. And then you have the compassionate one Where not only are you empathetic and understand the person's predicament, but you are feeling immediately um, this desire, this need to help them in whatever way that might be. People who like to people-please and volunteer will fall under this. So if you're a people-pleaser, if you like to volunteer, if you like to be a part of organizations that help others, that's that compassionate empathy in you surfacing. Now, be very clear. When somebody presents with you with an issue going on in their life, you can cognitively take on their perspective. You can figure out the way that their six human needs are not being fulfilled. You can actively listen and ask them questions and allow them to share. You can take on their perspective. By staying out of judgment, this is where you don't allow your confirmation bias, your preconceived ideas and opinions about their situation um, affect how it is you respond to them in that moment. Just because you've moved before and it was easy doesn't mean what they're going through is now minimized, right? You want to stay out of judgment. It could be about their situation. It could be about them. Maybe you think, you know, they're lazy and so whatever's going on in their life is attributed to their lack of fortitude to just take action. It could be a preconceived notion about their job or the people they're talking about. When you stay out of judgment You can release those confirmation biases your brain's looking for and you can just allow what they're sharing with you to be what they're experiencing right then and there. It takes a lot of practice. I promise you it takes a lot of practice because I'm still working on this and I've been reading about this crap for five years. There's a lot of of this stuff I talk about that I discuss with you in order to relearn it, to embed it deeper into my own brain so it becomes part of my intuitive um, habit structure. But by no means can I, do I automatically stay out of judgment. There's like this compare contrast thing humans automatically do in their brains that just puts us in a seat of judgment so quickly. It's just simply saying to myself in my own head, nope, nope, not going to judge it. I'm not going to use words in front of them that have them thinking I am judging it. I just want to, them to feel connected to me in this moment with what they're sharing with me in this moment. Um, Brene Brown goes on to say, recognizing emotions with someone else's feeling. You can recognize them. You don't have to absorb them, right? That's the emotional, empathetic person, right? Who takes on the emotions. You can recognize it without diving deep into it. And then communicating that you understand the emotion, right? This is going, this is almost like bringing them all in, the cognitive, the emotional, and the compassionate. I, I communicate that I understand your emotion. Be like, you know, I absolutely understand it. I too have been in a similar situation and I'm really, uh, you know, but, uh, not, but But my situation is whatever that was in the moment. I would like to discuss what it is you're experiencing right now. One of my favorite ways of asking people things is what is it you're experiencing rather than what, what does this look like to you or what does this sound like to you or what is this feeling like? Because they may not necessarily be in one of those communication patterns in that moment. They may not be seeing anything in their head, but they may be talking to themselves a lot. Or they might be feeling something different, deeply. So if I can't figure out if they're seeing it, hearing it, or feeling it deeply, I'll just ask them how they're experiencing it deeply. And then they will go off and they'll start giving me um, the word clues that I'm seeking in order to ask more in-depth questions for them to really be able to get into their vulnerability and share and then be able to do whatever their outcome is. Their outcome might just be to be heard. It may not be to actually get any advice on it. And so that's how we're going to close up this. Remember, when you're doing an empathetic state, when you're being there for somebody, be mindful to release this knee-jerk reaction to give unsolicited advice. I teach, this is the purpose of this podcast, so I give all these unsolicited advice and stuff. And you, you actively decide to have it solicited to you by hitting play. If you don't like what I'm talking about, you'll stop listening. If you've made it this far, clearly you're enjoying it. So thank you very much for that. But if somebody is sharing with you what's going on in their life and you just immediately give unsolicited advice, you start telling them their, your opinion on it. You start telling them your examples of it in your life without necessarily um, doing so in order to bridge, build the bridge of empathy, to bridge that gap where they are the supportee and you're the supporter, if you just immediately go into story time and start sharing what's been going on in your life, then you're taking away that opportunity for them to truly connect. And when you give unsolicited advice, what you're basically saying to this person is, I don't think you have the wherewithal to figure this out on your own. Or, you know what? You're so inept, I'm just going to tell you exactly what to do and you should go do it and I promise you everything will be fine. Because that's not reality. Your opinion isn't the bar at which the entire world is trying to set itself upon. Yes, you might have experiences with that. It might absolutely be beneficial right then and there to share that with them. So what do you want to do in these opportunities? You want to ask permission. Hey, is it okay if I make a suggestion? You know, something like this similarly happened to me. Can I give you a couple tips on how I was able to solve it for myself? Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand this move thing. In fact, I just did this not too recently. And I'll tell you what, there's a couple of things I really wish I had known while I was in your position that you're currently in. Can I share those with you? When you ask that question, right? And you might be hesitant to ask the question for fear that they'll reject it and say, no, I don't want your opinion. I don't want your tips. I don't want your hacks. I want to figure this out on my own. Or you know what? I just want your support. I don't actually want any advice. Because I think you're a moron and you don't give good advice. Whatever their response is, if you're afraid to ask that question, it might be because you're more in your own head worried about them rejecting your opportunity to give them advice or tips rather than caring more about their outcome. You're more in your head thinking about your outcome you want for the situation, for this moment of connectedness, rather than thinking about the outcome they want. So get very clear on the outcome they want. Uh, they may not want advice tips or hacks. they might literally just want a, a shoulder to cry on or a, a, to bend your ear and just have, just complain whatever it is. find out what it is that they would like from you in that moment because then that gives you the opportunity to say, "Okay, well then, can I offer you some advice can I give you can I make a couple suggestions when they say yes, they consciously and unconsciously open themselves up for what you're getting ready to say. You don't ask before you give unsolicited advice. You could find them in their head questioning everything that you're telling them because they've either already thought of it, already tried it, or they think it's stupid, right? They're in their head wondering why they didn't think of it. And if you think they're an idiot because you didn't think about the things they so easily just thought about in two seconds, right? If you, if you have them in their head questioning their own abilities or wondering why they didn't come up with these ideas that you just came up with in like 10 seconds they're not listening. If they're not listening, then then they're not hearing anything. And you'll know when this is occurring, whenever they say things like, yeah, 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 yeah I know. Oh, okay. 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 Mm-hmm, all right. All right. right. Or they just brush it aside. If they're actively taking in that information, there's more than likely going to be at least one question that comes from it. Okay. Well, when, when should I call the moving company next? Or where would this be helpful to do today in order for me to achieve an outcome of actually knowing where my stuff is? If you give me advice and I don't come back and ask a question, then there's a very good chance that what you have just told me is fall, fell on deaf ears. And that could be for a lot of reasons. I already thought about it. I already did it. I already tried it. I was already told it wouldn't work. Whatever bias I have about your information is coming from me because of whatever reason. And if as soon as you ask and say, well, can I give you a couple of suggestions? And you say, yeah, you should call them up every hour on the hour. Yeah, you know, we tried that. We tried that. And they definitely hung up on us every time. Okay, okay, that that sounds like a reasonable response. I can totally see why somebody would do that. Let's think about something else. It now becomes a conversation and not necessarily a teaching moment. I'm telling you, for those of y'all out there who have kids, who have a spouse, a partner, friends, family members that you're you're seeking to communicate with on a more even level, where you're not pedestaling yourself as Mister or Mrs. or whatever awesome advice giver, ask if you can offer a suggestion. Hey, is it okay if I offer you a couple suggestions? Hey, have yeah, you know, I got a tip about that. Can I share it with you? Yeah, you know, I, I've I've had a similar experience. I actually have a hack around that. Would you like to hear it? If they say yes, then that will open their mind to actually embracing and receiving what you're about ready to share with them. If they say no, then just okay, that's cool. Well, how can I help you in this opportunity right now? And if they say, well, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, just, just be here to talk to me. Okay. Well, are there any specific things that I am not doing yet or have been doing that you would like me to continue or start, right? You get them to be specific about what it is you can do in that moment to help. And last but not least, if you, uh, if you say to somebody, hey, you know what, you can always be here for, I'll always be here for you. Have no hesitation in calling me or texting me or writing me. Let me know how I can help you, all right? Give them a big hug. Everybody hugs you, walk away. Realize they're extremely vulnerable in this moment. And they've achieved a level of connectedness with you in that moment that once the dopamine and serotonin wear off, they're going to go back to whatever their homeostasis, their their equilibrium is. And if it's a lack of self-esteem or a lack of self-worth, or they just don't trust themselves, they may not be able to step into that vulnerable space without your assistance to actually call you, to actually request of you some more assistance, some more help. So if you genuinely want to help somebody, if you genuinely want to be empathetic and be there for someone and you've offered them to reach out to you anytime they could use some assistance, perhaps it's best if you take the first step. Hey, Jesse, I, you know I remembered our conversation the other day about moving, and I understand you're still going through that. I just wanted to check in on you and ask you how the experience is for you right now, right? You could just simply reach out. I could text you back some words. Maybe I hop on a phone call for five or 10 minutes. And now I feel hurt and supported again. And now I really know that you mean it when you say that you'll be there for me. Because a lot of people say that it's just like a, has like a pre-programmed response to say as you're walking away from a conversation like that. If you don't want to talk to him about that again, then you can simply say, thank you so much for sharing that with me today. I'm really glad that we had this opportunity to connect. You know how are you feeling now as this conversation is beginning to wrap up? You could literally say it that way. And then they'll be able to share with you whatever. You can hug your goodbyes, shake your goodbyes, high five your goodbyes, whatever you are about social distancing at this point in time. And then you'd be like, all right, well, awesome. All right. Well, I got to go off and I got to take care of some other stuff. And uh, this has been amazing. Thank you so much again for us connecting. And then you say goodbye. But even now, as I was as I was getting ready to wrap up this show, I was my brain almost immediately was like, but hey, reach out to me anytime if you need my help. Or hey, you know what? I'll reach out to you tomorrow to check in on you. If you don't actually want to do that, just don't say it. Just say thank you. It's been amazing connecting with you. Hope everything works out with this. I'm, I'm going to head out now. Be well. Even right now, I wanted to say talk soon. If you open up the door for them to talk to you about this again, it could be on you or them to reach back out. But one way or another, you have used language that leads them to believe you would like to continue this conversation at some point. And you may or may not want to. So you come up with your own ways of wrapping up a conversation without committing to any further future communication around this topic, if that's what you would like to do. But either way, now you know more about empathy. Now you know more about how to step into this. And even though I went, 12 minutes longer than I normally would have preferred, I think it's just important to me to somehow try to begin to create the world I want to live in. And I want to live in a world where at the very least, a customer service rep throws some empathy at us for two minutes and then says, all right, well, good luck. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. They're not going to call me up the next day and say, hey, I was thinking about our call yesterday. So I just wanted to reach out first. No, because they don't want to hear my complaining. They don't want to hear how upset I am that our shit's still not here. But people in your actual life, in your inner circle, if you want to be there for them, now I believe I've given you a pretty great roadmap. What you do with this map, how you create it into your territory, that's the beautiful, beautiful experience that human design is all about. You get to create your life based on your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings and your actions. And those will give you your results. I've given you a roadmap. Let's see where you go with it. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power, positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of my life because I wake up sober. Want to be a part of the hub? You heard the ad at the beginning. Come on, jump over to the hub. Be a member of the tribe. Are you seeking for ways to to, uh, support the show? I've opened up a really awesome store. I've got a, a cup of coffee link. I have got a, um, a Patreon account now. I have got lots of ways. I am funding a book. I am funding trips to, to treatment centers to um, you know spread the word of sobriety and addiction recovery. If you've ever wanted to support the show, I have created ways for you. Find those in the show notes. As always, shout out to Sunshine, glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye.